Hi everyone and welcome to season 5 episode 2 of Sexy Sips. Today in the studio we have myself, Zora. I'm Julia. I'm Caitlin. And we will be exploring taboos, which means we get to talk about a lot of different sexy topics, which is exciting. Um, starting off with what a taboo actually is and what role it might be playing in our sex life, as well as who may be profiting off this concept. So what, how do we think of taboos? Like, what is our first definition that comes to mind? I'd say, like, something you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like, something that's almost wrong. Yeah. Something kind of shameful. Yeah. which is like kind of interesting because at the end of the day you know sex was supposed to be purely about reproductive fitness and things like that so when something is a taboo it really touches on something that goes beyond you know just a reproductive goal it kind of is now something just that is just purely for pleasure yeah so I think that is Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why you know we have that at all yeah, very much, like, pleasure-shame-based and sort of, like, it's it's this narrative of, like, you are not doing sex or intimacy or, like, sexual intercourse right. Like, there's something wrong with the way that you think about it, the way that you approach it, like, things that you're interested in. I mean, we've also talked about a little bit that there is a religious aspect to it. Um, mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about purity culture and, you know, the fact that, um certain types of sex are just not okay in terms of religion or i think purity culture definitely is really woven into the way that like sex education is approached especially like in the u.s and you know how most like public sex education programs have no discussion of pleasure or education around like pleasure and how to how to have sex how to explore sex it's very much like how do you not get pregnant or how do we prevent you from having sex entirely this sort of really just feeds into a lack of education that people are coming into being sexually active with um, and a lot of internalized shame that's been taught to you socially since honestly like since you were like a kid so essentially we are here to break down some of those taboos what are things that are considered sort of taboos in our generation why might they have become a taboo what is the sort of narrative around them Um, and how do we sort of shift our narrative with that how do we approach these taboos from a place of consent safety pleasure and communication rather than shame and embarrassment. So I think one thing you brought up that we also discussed was the fact that in schools, we are not being taught, you know, how to have pleasure, but how to have, you know, reproductive sex, if at all, or we're being taught not to have sex at all. And so then the question is, where do we get our information from? You know, Mm. the media, music that was something we talked about yeah and like a lot of the music that we listen to so for example like Megan Thee Stallion wonderful artist but But a lot of the songs that a lot of like the things that she rap about perpetuates this idea that you have to be a mega freak and if you aren't you're not good enough but then at the same time if you watch a lot of her interviews she also has this like that like purity culture is embedded into the way that she thinks. One time, I, I believe in like a Vox interview or something like that, something along those lines, she said that um, she has sex a lot, but she has sex with the same people, even though even if they might be toxic people mm. because she wants to keep her body count mm. down. Mm. So like that idea of like, you could be a freak, but you like a freak within the confines of purity culture. Yeah. That's so interesting. 
because we were also talking about how there's really a distinction between, you know, continual learning and mm -hmm. continual improvement within your sex life. And that's why you're seeking out you know, media about it or like porn or like mm -hmm. maybe classes, stuff like that versus, you know, obsessing over the lack of whatever it is you have. You know, you're not you're not super good at giving head or you don't want to, yeah. you know, do anal or you don't want to, you know, be tied up to a pole and whipped. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, different for everyone. It doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah. But it's just like, why, you know, why are you going towards yeah. this rather than maybe something that you're more interested in? Yeah. And I think that what you brought up, Caitlin, about Megan, like saying like she wants to keep her body count low. It really just shows that like on both ends of the spectrum of like somebody who has not had very much sexual experience and that's sort of the taboo is like quote unquote vanilla sex. And then on the other end of the spectrum of somebody who like openly talks about being tied up, being, you know, just all of the like BDSM power plays kind of what we consider to be like rough sex but then also still has that element of purity culture of like, but it's only with a few partners where there's like that shame in there still of I talk about that I'm doing this, but I'm also need everybody to know that it's still like, it's not as bad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Instead of doing the whole approach of you can't, like you should not be doing this, you should not be doing that, which is kind of what we used to have. Like we've now shifted it to kind of applauding and cheering on whatever is mm. currently trending, right? Yeah. So if we were just talking about, like, media and music, you know, we're talking about big dicks, you know? We're yeah. talking yeah. about WAP. We're talking about, like, all this stuff, yeah. which, like, yeah, a lot of people have it, a lot of people love it. But then there's also, yeah. you know, the other side of everyone's just like, I guess I'm not, no one's going to sing it about my small dick or whatever, mm -hmm. which, like, why not, you know? That exactly, like, sort of feeds into the, like, who is profiting off of this. Like, yeah. it's regardless of if the shame is, like, not being sexual enough or is being too sexual. Somebody is sort of profiting off of your negative feelings about yourself. Like, oh, yeah. capitalism and corporations, you know, back before, sort of, there was much more, like, media coverage and conversation around like being a sexual person especially like being a sexual woman that was very much oh don't talk about that this is this is dirty like this is something there's something kind of off about you um because like what was profitable you know like a few decades back was like the family system or like waiting till marriage and like enforcing this sort of very like, reproductive and non-pleasure based narrative of what sex is and then it becomes once people realize like, oh, more people are buying sex toys, mm -hmm. more people are paying for porn subscriptions. We can make money off of people now feeling like we're you're not good enough at sex. Yeah. As you were saying about like sex being only for reproductive purposes, like tying back into capitalism, like when you think about it, it means like sex was work, like it was actual work, mm -hmm. like something that you had to do because it was written to your schedule, mm -hmm. not because you like thought of it and said, oh, it would be a fun idea. So mm. it's kind of like taking away the humanity behind having sex, mm. and like that's like who like who is profiting for that from that like to, like realistically not I not anyone exactly. yeah. <laughs> but it still has been able to survive within our society this idea that like you can't have sex for pleasure but you need to do it to reproduce because mm -hmm. that is your duty and like with the it's it's your duty and this is your responsibility and now it's like if you're not good enough at sex you're not going to get those opportunities mm. exactly yeah. yeah it's not even about like oh you might find bdsm really fun and enjoyable for you it's uh -huh. like oh this is how you're going to find somebody like yeah. if you're better at sex yeah yeah i also think that going back to the basics what we were talking about 
pleasure and taboos and then also like the fact that there is so much profit happening because we are we do want people to you know go to sex stores and look at sex toys and kind of discover what it is they're into blah blah, blah all of that but at the same time we also need to start back at the basics, I think, because one of the taboos we were talking about were, was, for instance, making noises, which is, like, mm. one of the, like, like you know, like things that is happening. You just need yeah. yourself and another person and your noises, and that's it. Yeah. And I feel like that is so... It's considered, like, embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Specifically for people who identify as male because it's supposedly emasculating or maybe is more attributed to the female experience of sex or, like, female hysteria, you know? Um, but really, it's just a really great way of communicating, I feel, at least. Like, yeah. I want to know if you're enjoying yourself because this isn't just, you know, we're not doing this exactly because it's on yeah. a schedule. We're doing this because I want to have fun and because you want to have fun. I never got that. I never understood that one. Yeah, I think making noise and, like, sounds or, like, stopping during sex to, like, change positions or something, like... Mm. I think, Zora, you were saying this the other day when we were talking, like, there's this sort of idea that sex is supposed to be very spontaneous yeah. and and it's only hot and sexy if, like, you don't have to, like, talk at all during it. If it just happens, like, yeah. within a second, like, you, like, off all these, like, flips over yeah. and, like, yeah. you don't even have to talk about it. It's and very it's, like, theatrical. It's, yeah, like, exactly. that's not real. Like, exactly. this stuff is awkward. There's weird noises. Uh -huh. Like, you might not like a position. Like, sometimes, like, some somebody touches you in a certain way that, like, just, like, naturally releases, yeah. like, a groan or something. And it's, like... Yeah, it really, like, comes to this idea of, like, the media enforcing these images of, like, what sex is supposed to be. And then we internalize that and we feel ashamed about just behaving as we wish we could or how we authentically feel during sex. And that leads into where issues of consent, communication, genuine pleasure come in because you're not feeling like it's okay to say like actually can we switch this around yeah. like that's not sexy you know what i also just realized when you said that is that is not taught as something that's like funny if that's like mm. yeah makes sense because i think it's like if something does happen you know a weird sound or you want to communicate that something's not working for you the best approach i feel like is just like this is, like, funny. This is hilarious. Like, we're doing something kind of yeah. weird right now, but we're both kind of enjoying it. But, like, mm -hmm. it would be even better if we, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden, instead of feeling shame for anything that goes wrong or isn't in the script or isn't, you know, spontaneous, is now just, like, something funny that happened along, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it was. You're, it's supposed to be, like, a fun activity. <laughs> <laughs> Communicate. <laughs> so in reference to, like, going back to the basics and sort of inherent taboos around having sex in general... Something that I think a lot of people and a lot of, like, friends that I know and just, like, peers at Tufts or at other colleges experience is there's a lot of shame and sort of a taboo around not having sex or not having much experience or even just having very, like, vanilla sex. So, like, I wanted to, like, bring up the idea of, like, what does that mean, like, vanilla sex? Where does the shame around it come from? What is sort of influencing this narrative that having less experience or having vanilla sex is wrong or bad well for me at least like like vanilla sex to me it just means that like something that's basic but mm -hmm. then that's also like basic kind of has a negative connotation mm -hmm. around it but something that's yeah. not it's also like what's ba like yeah, what is basic exactly what's 
I feel like most people will just imagine missionary yeah. or something. But I'm not going to lie. Missionary works for me. That's all. Like, you know, you can like that and then also like other things. Mm. And, like, the concept of vanilla sex, at least in, like, our society, it's seen as something that's, like, boring. Like, mm. oh, like, he's such a Norman for doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you have to be, like, mega freaky or whatever. Mm. And, like, that's the best type of sex, like, mega freaky sex, according to, like what, like, what is perpetuated by a lot of the media that we do consume. Like, and it's kind of interesting that, like, so, like, going back to, like, the media and music, like, a lot of the, like, music, the media, like, a lot of those productions, they were written by, like, cis men with the intentions of ha- being ha- having it being catered towards the male gaze. So, at the end of the day, like, well, people with vulvas are not getting the pleasure that, they, like, they need, yeah. they deserve, because they're creating content for, like, other, like, cis men. Yeah. I think that's very interesting, especially because if you do see, like, for instance, a female rapper... Um, you know, being sexy and rapping about, like, certain things, a lot of females will feel empowered because it's like, yeah, she did that, you know? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, yes, it is totally catered to the male gaze and it's written by cis men. And the reason she might be doing that is because it is profitable. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, so it's like, it doesn't really make sense for people who are viewing that to cater to whatever it is that the media is saying you should be or you're lacking or anything. Because at the end of the day, even that isn't real. Like, even, you know, even what is on the media, especially porn. Please. Guys, it's not real, I swear. (laughs) No, because it's like, like, do do people actually think that those are comfortable positions? I don't Like, leg up, like, on Uh, the kitchen counter. I actually just read something that one of the most common or most commonly searched porn positions, Mm -hmm. I think it's called the butter turner yeah when, yeah. yeah when the the actress is on her um spine or neck basically and her legs are upwards and so oh. the male can penetrate you know as a butter turner would vertically <laughs> however the problem is that when actually done during sex there's mm-hmm. an impact you know yeah. yeah so the spinal cord is being repeatedly like smushed into a hard Damn. surface which yeah. can be extremely damaging to nerves. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's awesome to watch. I don't know. But realistically, if you like your partner, you don't want them having nerve damage, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of generating this, like, base narrative of, like, however you are, whatever you're interested in, whatever you've done so far in your life isn't good enough. And and here's how you can be more sexual, more, like, sexy, more attractive mm-hmm you know, for $20 a month porn subscription, you know, (laughs) or buy this toy and, like, you'll give the best blowjob of your life. Like, all the, like, little, like, Cosmo articles. Like, take this pill. Yeah, take, grow an erection. Like, yeah, grow your dick six inches. It's like, please, please don't take those. Don't do that. (laughs) If you saw the ad on Pornhub, it's not reliable. (laughs) Like... Our point here, once again, is just is not to be like, don't explore and don't try out all these different things that you see because exploration is part of the whole process. We're just saying do it out of a desire to extend what you already have, not Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you feel like you lack something and you need to like fill that Mm -hmm. with whatever you're being fed, right? Do it because you want to. Do it because you're curious and you're you feel like that could be enjoyable for you. If you see, like, a porn video with, like, the butter turner position, for example, and you're like, that sounds kind of horrendous, I don't want to do that, but then you're like, oh, I have to do this, 
that's where you want to pause exactly. and sort of be like, oh, why am I interested in that? Like, is does that look like a position that I actually might like feel really good about, mm-hmm. or is it that like I'm like, oh, well, this porn star is doing it, so that's what I need to be doing. And then going on from there, if that is something you want to do, or yes. there are things that you do want to do, and they are just you know inherently a little bit more risky or something. It is really important to take safety and like technique into consideration. Yeah. So and that point where we're kind of getting to the taboo of like rough sex yes. or BDSM or impact play, where I do think now that it is in the more mainstream media, people think it is as accessible and as almost I want to say easy as conventional mm-hmm. sex, quote unquote. But the thing is about like BDSM or like impact play, it differs from conventional sex because it doesn't necessarily involve the genitals Mm -hmm. so oftentimes it's more about some type of release or some Mm -hmm. kind of control some kind of physical and mental connection right Mm -hmm. so if that's like what you're getting out of a more risky you know um position not only does it feel good but it's like hot that you're in this position right like fuck yeah then go for it but also like put a pillow under your neck yeah Yeah. you know like (laughs) yeah let's like another thing we were talking about is like the correct equipment almost like mm-hmm. if you're into being tied up yes like do it but then do a little bit of research you know don't put yeah. them mm-hmm. in handcuffs and then you know rail them they're yeah. they're, they're like wrists will literally bleed yeah. or whatever instead you know actually yeah. do some research like the taboo of that being unpure or kind of dirty or embarrassing or even even the sort of narrative of like don't ask don't tell or like like keep what you're doing in the bedroom in the bedroom or whatever, where it's not saying, like, don't do it, but, like, we don't want to talk about it. That just, like, perpetuates safety issues, Mm -hmm. consent issues. Mm -hmm. And it should be, the conversation should be that if you feel a curiosity or a desire to explore kink, to explore BDSM, to explore different positions, whatever, that is perfectly normal and perfectly acceptable. And approaching that from a place of how do I do this safely how do I do this in a way that's actually going to be pleasurable for me and my partner um and how do I consider consent in it and if you're doing that there's absolutely nothing wrong you know that's that is sort of the responsibility yeah so a few things I just wanted to mention just in terms of safety and technique because I feel like these might be the most accessible or like the most for instance if you're into restriction or like tying someone up Mm-hmm. using rope or using like cuffs is better than handcuffs and cuffs I mean like they're like leather or have like fur in them or like something like that we were discussing choking and that that's also mm-hmm. like yeah. pretty popular but that at the end of the day you need to know that you're choking you know on the side of your neck mm-hmm. on the side of your partner's neck rather than in the middle because yeah. that is actually a choking hazard yeah. and like these are the types of things that a lot of people are doing because now it's like popular and mainstream and yada 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 but they're not taking the right precautions yeah um, but then, at, on the other hand, people also feel a disconnect mm-hmm. to BDSM, I think. And it also might seem a bit in- extreme or intense that we're, like, talking about it. Mm-hmm. But something I think that's really interesting about that community that they bring in is that, that you know, mental, physical connection. So, mm-hmm. for instance, someone who's more anxious or easily distracted during sex could really like find pleasure in some type of pain, you know, mm-hmm. because now they're refocusing back into the moment. And now they can kind of stay in that moment and actually feel pleasure rather than being distracted. Or Another thing I thought was really interesting is that oftentimes there's some type of totemic item. So like some kind of item that's with you that kind of puts you in that 
yeah. space of this is my time to have pleasure and my time to like communicate mm. maybe if that's like something hard for you to shut off you know mm. so yeah i thought those were just pretty interesting and of course we've also discussed power plays a bit um and that that's also more of a mental thing than it is yeah. a physical thing which once again also doesn't you know fit under conventional sex or yeah. vanilla sex how do we incorporate communication and consent into exploring BDSM, into exploring rougher sex. So in terms of like rough sex, BDSM, everything under that umbrella, really sexy ways to communicate <laughs> would be using a safe word, like a word that like you know for sure that you would never ever use mm-hmm. until you actually feel like your safety is at risk. Mm-hmm. And that's like a great way to communicate with your partner that, oh, hey, like, can we do something different or can we stop completely? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On top of that, what also could work is a safety system, which means you have some, some type of scale or spectrum, whether that be like numbers or colors or whatever you want it to be. Um, an example would be like a stoplight, like red, orange, green, um, kind of giving your partner an idea of where you are so they know whether, you know, to be rougher or less rough or maybe you just yeah. need a break or you just want to, you know, switch things yeah. around, stuff like that. Like maybe like blue is like harder, more intense, mm-hmm. like go faster. Red is like too intense, slow down. Like yellow is like, this is okay, but like not rougher than this or something like that. Yeah. So one thing we also wanted to mention that there are a lot of, you know, good resources online that you can read. For instance, um, Luna Matadas has a really good blog that has a humongous, like, spectrum of different things that you may want to read about. And it just has really great tips and tricks about how to explore new things without, you know, any shame around that and stuff like that. Something I learned from her, which is super interesting about impact play, a little fun tidbit here, is that you're supposed to hit on the same spot Mm. again and again rather than different spots because when you hit it, what it means is your body in that area is warming up. And so that also means it's like releasing like dopamine and stuff like that, you know, so you're not Mm. feeling that pain as much. Now it's feeling more like a pleasurable feeling rather than if you're hitting in different parts and it's not warming up like fast enough. That's how she explains it, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I'm looking on the Luna Matadas. Which I um, never would have known. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're not taught that on the website. And there's a blog that has, like, read all of the blog and, like, find different aspects. There's a whole thing on butt stuff. There's also, like, workshops and private events, but we definitely want to advocate for free resources. And so this is just, we'll link this website down below in the description. But there's also, you know, good resources on the internet of, just like how to incorporate safety and consent into into sex and into exploring BDSM. And we highly encourage you to do your research. Yeah. Now that we've covered a lot of bases, one base we're missing is the butt. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about anal sex. <laughs> anal sex is such a taboo, I feel like, across so many identities yeah. and groups of people like like cross-cultural cross-cultural mm-hmm. cross-sexuality like it's really there's a lot of shame in anal butt play anything related to that area for so many people <laughs> the stigma around heterosexual men enjoying butt play um but yeah if you enjoy you know anal sex or butt play then you can clean your butt if you feel embarrassed to bring it up yeah. to your partner or anything 
once again, this is a conversation about communication and yeah. what it is that you will find pleasurable. And if you want to try it and there's issues yeah. about it, then talk about those issues. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if it's about hygiene, you can clean. And also, I think there's a lot of other aspects um, informing the stigma around anal. I think two big places where the stigma comes from is homophobia yeah. and also religious purity culture and toxic masculinity um, and yeah and like the idea of sodomy and it like the sin of sodomy in terms of like hetero men not want wanting to participate in anal sex like it comes from the idea that like anal sex is only for like like gay men mm-hmm. right as a hetero like the idea that as a heterosexual male you'll be you'll be emasculating yourself by wanting mm-hmm. to participate in anal sex Right, and that, and that takes away from your pleasure, obviously. No. <laughs> right, and at the same time, perpetuating homophobia, whether whether you want to or whether you don't want to. The side of it of, like, hetero cis men. Oh, if I'm interested in anal play, I'm gay. And inside And within that, there's, like, okay, well, why is it bad to be gay? Yeah. And also, why does a body part and touching a body part define your sexuality like it doesn't it doesn't it that's the thing exactly we were just talking about how like the definition of gay is like not that you like things in your butt right it literally has like nothing to do with that at all um one of my friends actually told me that once he discovered butt play it was like he's finally used utilizing all the tools in his toolbox yeah and i thought that was really great because i was like yeah that's exactly what it's like because i'm sure as most people know, the male G-spot is in the anus. You know, mm. it's tissue, but it's still there. You know, there's no shame in using the holes that mama gave you. That's all I'm saying. And there are, like, other, like, aspects of anal sex other than just, like, st- straight penetration. There's yeah, also, exactly. Like, like, butt play, like, playing with, like, feathers, mm-hmm. looking, like, really looking. Like, there are other aspects. It's not just, like, actual penetration. Yeah, yeah. rimming. Rimming, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my God, I think that's a big one that I feel like we have not really talked about on the podcast or in general. Um, rimming is when you lick the anus or, like, yeah. the yeah, prostate like area. Around, yeah, and I think that that's a really great way to actually get into butt play mm-hmm. if that's something that people want to explore. Um, one thing I found that actually really works for people if they do feel shameful about it is to put a blindfold over their eyes or something like that and have their partner, you know, explore it through rimming or, like, with lube or whatever it is. And so it's now this, like, disconnect of the shame. You're yeah. just feeling the pleasure, you know, mm. and you're like, oh, wait, I kind of like this. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, like, that's also could be a good way to be, like, if somebody's, like, rimming you, like, and it feels really bad, like, then you know, like, oh, that just isn't what feels good to me. Yeah. If it's something you're curious about and you're like, oh, like, that – is really interesting to me like I I want more like then explore that you know I also think pegging are also have a really bad stigma but I think it also might have to do with power play as well yeah. that that seems to like accompany it mm-hmm. uh, you know so I don't know if that's also a stigma or if that's just how people like to use it but I also would like to be able to peg people without being judged what pegging is thought to be like mainly centered around like a hetero or like hetero presenting relationship or couple where the feminine person essentially like penetrates the masculine person in the anus with a dildo 
and like could be like with a strap on or like with the hand or whatever that sort of narrative definitely like can bring up a lot of embarrassment and stigma around power play of like Mm -hmm. partners involved for both like a more a masculine person or a feminine person like this idea that the penetration is the power yeah Mm. like and if who who is penetrating is the masculine one like and Mm -hmm. there's this like narrative that if you are feminine or like you identify as female or are identified just like as the femme one in the relationship that then like you penetrating your partner is essentially like taking that masculinity and like I think that's such a just like gendered and like suppressive suppressive and like purity shame that's so rooted in our society it's like that it's like this idea that power and masculinity go hand in hand Mm -hmm. like why isn't there any power in femininity Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Why can't I be feminine and while I'm pegging somebody? No, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's something that I kind of also wish that was taught in mm-hmm. school is that, like, the roles aren't set in place, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that is a big part of what people are taught or even not even necessarily in school, also at home. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And Caitlin, earlier you were mentioning, like, the religious aspect and, like, sodomy as a sense. So, like, the actual definition of sodomy would also include oral sex. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically, like, penetration, with, like, with other body parts that are not, that's not the vulva. That's, like, huh. so, like, the anus, the erectum, and the mouth. Oh. Yeah. So there's, like, an inherent, like, sinfulness around mm-hmm. anything that's not penis vagina yeah going back to the idea that sex has to be reproductive and reproductive mm. only that's mm. so interesting yeah interesting um stigma towards anal sex does have its roots in religious purity culture the idea that like if you're um performing anal sex or receiving like anal sex then you are like, going to hell which ties into the homophobia aspect of it I would yeah. also just like to point out, though, now, now that you've said that about sodomy, yeah, the fact that the one part of sodomy is oral sex, <laughs> and that's glamorized, exactly. and everyone's like, yeah. But then the other part is, like, butt play, and that's like, oh, shit, no. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Mm. I guess, like, this is for the people who actually want to explore anal sex, but yeah. do feel shame, yeah. shameful, yeah. Um, wanting to perform it. If you don't want to perform anal sex and, or receive it, that's perfectly fine, right? This is mostly for people who do want to perform or receive anal sex, but feel shame because of like the stigma that's surrounding it. And, like going back into this idea of like being ashamed of your anatomy, being ashamed of your the way that your body looks, there's also a stigma or a taboo surrounding small penises and having mm. a micro penis and such. The whole size matters narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because there isn't, like, a... some reason, it's always just, like, a small penis is mm-hmm. not... Because I guess it's some measure of your manliness yeah. or your manhood or whatever it is. But that has nothing to do with you as a person or the way you perform in bed. Because, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, there's people who, you know, they like different sizes. Some people, yeah. their anatomy will work way better with a smaller penis than it would with a larger mm-hmm. one. But we had also discussed things other than, you know, using your penis or something like that, if you want Yeah, and, like, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about with the, like, centering around penis-vagina penetration, where it's sort of, like, that is the way that you receive pleasure, anybody, regardless mm-hmm. of your identity or experience or whatever, that penis and vagina penetration is the ultimate sex and way to receive pleasure, and if you have a smaller penis, you cannot 
as successfully please somebody with a vulva as somebody with a larger penis. And that is just like so untrue. Like like we were talking about the G-spot, the structure of the vulva and the anatomy that can induce pleasure with somebody who has a vulva is so subjective and individualized and somebody with a vulva may not have a g-spot somebody with a vulva may have a g-spot that's really sensitive and painful almost when contacted and somebody might have a g-spot that is incredibly pleasurable when when contacted and this like just range in anatomy basically these differences and intricacies between anatomy really do highlight that sex and exploring and communicating is not just about penetration or meeting what the expectation of the g-spot and the dick hitting the g-spot um as being like the the ideal way to do it like somebody might have a very large penis and their partner with a vulva may have an extremely sensitive vagina that that is really painful (laughs) that's really painful and they like may not even be interested in penetration with that partner who has a very like large penis or something because it's painful and they decide to explore other things or like we've all been saying about penis vagina penetration being the way to reproduce and so it's the way to have sex and if there's something about your anatomy or something about the way that you prefer to have sex that is not that that there's something wrong with it there's a person who loves a big dick and for every one of those people, there's a person who loves a small dick. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of just the way that all of this goes, you know? Um, And I know that we've kind of spoken a lot about the negative effects of taboos and having that as, you know, concepts. But I also do just want to mention that, you know, taboos can be really sexy. You know, just Mm -hmm. the concept of doing something you're not supposed to be doing Mm. or, like, feeling naughty or, like, you know, um, kind of using that as a concept in your sex life is Mm -hmm. also, like, exciting, and I understand that. But this is more about, you know, taboos that we're being shamed for or, like, Mm -hmm. people feel ashamed for and can't explore because of that. When something becomes a taboo or, like, embarrassing to talk about, like, there is sort of that, like, intrigue of the danger Mm. or of the, like, riskiness, like, if you're, like, with a partner you're comfortable with, But that also then perpetuates sort of if nobody can know about what we're doing, what if something is not comfortable or even consensual for somebody? Mm. Then it's like if we can't talk about sort of like secretive, like risky type things in like safe and appropriate settings, then when is it appropriate for somebody who's been harmed in some way to Mm. talk about it? Like. All right, so taking that into consideration, we want to just underline that at the end of the day, this is all about, you know, open communication Mm -hmm. and exploring whatever you want to do, whatever that is, but doing it in a safe and consensual way. It is really important that, you know, we have continual communication. And we really hope that from this episode, you can take away that communication is sexy. There's different ways to do it, even if it may feel that in the moment it's not. Maybe it doesn't feel spontaneous or crazy or whatever, but that that's totally okay. And that that's what, you know, having a healthy and fun, Mm -hmm. you know, consensual sex life is like. Hopefully people won't feel so ashamed about certain things that they like, but at the same time, like, have sex doing, you know, the nasty and all that shit. Yeah. And also, like, when you feel shame for wanting or liking certain things, you should also ask yourself where, like, where mm-hmm. does the shame mm-hmm. come from? 
Is it from me or is it from actual societal pressures? Exactly. Mm. Ask yourself what it is you're actually enjoying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, where are you at? Where do you want to go? I think what Caitlin said is spot on of like, ask yourself whose voice is this, like saying that this is bad, you know? Is this religious trauma that I've had? Is this like internalized homophobia? Mm-hmm. Like misogyny. misogyny, like racism, anything. And if you're coming back to within yourself that off-put, like sense that you feel is not your off-putness but like societies that's been placed on you that's sort of where you want to sit in that and explore and sort of give yourself a little bit of compassion and like space to take your time with it like you don't have to this is not to say like you have to be like well being tied up is considered a taboo so I have to reject it and I have to get tied up no if you don't want to don't do it if that does if that like inherently like within you sounds like something that would make you feel really unsafe or really just you don't feel like you'd enjoy that you do not have to explore anything that you are not feeling very good about but if the narrative is like that it's something you've thought about something that maybe you've seen that you're like oh like I kind of really like how that looks like I might want to try that and then there's another voice that's not really your sort of internal self coming in. That's where you sort of can question. Um, we also just wanted to underline that, you know, there's a lot of middle ground. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of what we see is just, you know, the extremes, yeah. whatever s- side of the spectrum that is. But that there's so much variation in all of this things that will, you know, you'll, you will find something that will work for you. Um, maybe that'll take some time. Maybe it'll take different partners. Maybe it'll take, you know, a lot of exploration. Mm-hmm. And if you explore a bunch of things and you're like, I hate all of this. I really like what I did at the beginning. Then, you know, that's what you like. But yeah. maybe throughout that time, you'll find something new you really enjoyed. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you explore a bunch of taboos or don't. Whatever <laughs> you want, you know. As but long as what you are doing sexually is safe, consensual, and not harming others, it is okay to explore and confront your shame. Well, stay safe and stay sexy. Bye. Bye.